Shalom. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I am Shmuley Yanklowitz, President and Dean of Valley Beit Midrash. Here at VBM, we strive to bring you only the highest quality of Jewish learning. Bringing pluralistic and innovative Jewish programming to the Jewish community that craves substance and insight is our passion. But we cannot do it alone. To support our endeavors, please consider donating a tax-deductible contribution to our organization. By doing so, you will be supporting meaningful Jewish educational content, funding the next generation of leaders, as well as furthering Jewish wisdom to people all over the country and all over the world. Please visit www.valleybatemadrash.org. Thank you so much and enjoy the program. Jonathan Sarna is university professor and the Joseph H. and Bell R. Braun Professor of American Jewish History and director of the Schusterman Center for Israel Studies at Brandeis University. He's also past president of the Association for Jewish Studies and chief historian of the National Museum of American Jewish History in Philadelphia, the author of many books about the history of Jews in America. The second edition of his book, American Judaism, A History, was published earlier this year. On a personal note, Professor Sarna has been a mentor and a friend and teacher of mine, uh, and it's a great honor once again to be able to, to, uh, to talk and learn from him. Delighted to be with you. Thank you so much. So, you know, it's funny, if you asked me a few years ago, I would have said, what, why is the American Jewish community talking so much about anti-Semitism still? Come on, move on, move on. But the truth is, uh, I was wrong. Um, and there is what to discuss. So I guess the first thing I want to ask you is how serious a problem is anti-Semitism in America today? And how concerned uh, should Jews be about this? I, I think uh, really it's been since the early 1990s. That's a long time since the Jewish community seriously focused on this issue. But not only has the number of incidents doubled in three years, according to the ADL. Most of us haven't seen our salaries double. That's a lot. And uh, every day now, there is a network that sends out information on anti-Semitic incidents, and it grows. But I think uh, since Pittsburgh and Poway, everybody understands how serious it is Um, I don't think Jews should be so alarmed uh, as to go off the rails. After all, a very high percentage of American Jews have high respect for Jews, according, uh, of Americans have high respect for Jews, according uh, to the Pew survey, uh, somewhere between 60 and 80 percent. On the other hand, uh, there are a lot more anti-Semites than there are Jews. And the worst of all is that they now have access to weapons uh, that allow uh, them to do things they didn't have before. And they have access to the internet, which allows them to spread all sorts of hatred that they didn't have before. So there are many more incidents. We shouldn't uh, maximize. We shouldn't minimize. We should be vigilant. Great, great. What do you think are the main factors that account for this sudden rise in anti-Semitism? Um, I think it's not clear to me that there are more anti-Semites. Um, there are more anti-Semitic incidents, and they're not the same. One person today can reach tens of thousands through uh, the internet, and we saw one individual, he turned out to be 
a deranged Israeli in Ashkelon who turned out to have been responsible, according to the Israelis, for 2,000 bomb scares using very sophisticated technology. So the same number of anti-Semites can do vastly more damage, just like uh, one person today can kill uh, an enormous number of people with weaponry that nobody could have imagined 25 years ago being in the hands of a civilian. That to me is the problem. I'm not sure there are more people, but I'm quite certain that the anti-Semites have undreamed of power uh, through the internet, through weaponry, and therefore, we have to be um, much more concerned about them than we did when they only had access to uh, carbon paper and uh, and uh, and the U.S. mail. But in terms of recent social factors, I mean, I mean, five years ago they had that same access. Ten years ago, relatively had that same access. What are some of the social or or political economic factors at play here? I have no doubt that extremists feel empowered uh, today. Uh, once upon a time, extremists knew that politicians, all responsible politicians, tried to clamp down on them, that they would face um, uh, outrage across the spectrum. And today, well, maybe they're good fellows after all. And uh, um, they have a sense that the kind of language that they use has now become acceptable in, res in respectable circles, whereas okay. once it wasn't. And the coarsening of American culture and the fact that mainstream politicians, uh, even sometimes the top politicians in the country, are prepared to countenance certain kinds of language and activities has certainly not helped uh, uh, in this case. Okay. Um, do you think there's an overlap, uh, or what's the relationship between philo-Semites and anti-Semites? It seems to me what they have in common is that they both think the Jew is exceptional. The philo-Semite thinks the Jew is fundamentally something different and thus worthy of love, and the anti-Semite thinks something fundamentally different and worthy of hate. And are those far on the spectrum or oftentimes overlapping? Well... As often happens, just like the extreme left and the extreme right often merge, um, philo-Semites similarly engage in all sorts of group stereotypes that I think make many of us uncomfortable. I think given the choice, I prefer, prefer people who love Jews to people who hate Jews, and the philo-Semites don't take out high-powered rifles and don't think the Jews are a danger to the American uh, way of life. So most of us worry more about the anti-Semites, but I think uh, it, it's very perceptive to notice and correct that in both cases, instead of viewing people as individuals and asking about them, we have a certain conception of a Jew. We see one and we um, assume somehow uh, that 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 this Jew has to, has to fit the stereotype. Right, right. What are some What are some of the ways that American anti-Semitism are uh, is manifest differently 
um, from other iterations of anti-Semitism in, in other parts of the world? So, without exaggerating the difference, one thing is Jews have always been able, going back to the revolution, to fight back freely. We're not afraid they're going to take away our emancipation somehow. And in America, Jews have always fought back. That's why it's called the Anti-Defamation League. Jews feel the right to do that. The second thing, which is Jews we should never, ever forget, is that it's not all about us. There are many types of hatreds in America, racism and anti-Catholicism and anti-Mormonism and anti-Islam, and one could make a long list uh, there. In other words, we're very pluralistic in our hatreds, whereas in many places, Jews were the only outgroup in Europe. Jews are certainly not uh, the only outgroup. I happen to think anti-Semitism is more foreign to American ideals. If you lived in Germany, you talked about the good old days when Jews knew their place. Um, and you could point to all sorts of medieval and early modern leaders uh, who looked down on Jews. You have trouble doing that in America. You look at Washington and Jefferson and so on, uh, they um, were deeply sympathetic. And the whole American religious tradition with freedom and voluntarism and so on, that's very unsympathetic to uh, hatred. And the final point is more than we realize, the two-party system resists the politics of hatred because when it works, uh, both parties want to build broad coalitions that are inclusive. That's how you win an election. Uh, whereas if you have many, many parties, then you build the coalition later and you can engage in all sorts of hatred before the election. Uh, historically, uh, those who have built broad coalitions and embraced everybody, let's say FDR, a famous coalition maker, uh, did better. Whether that will continue to be true, we'll know after the, 19, uh, after the 2020 election. But that's been the rule, and that's helped Jews. Close elections, every vote counts. I don't want to risk alienating Jewish votes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, fascinating. So um, how, how has the establishment of the State of Israel and even policies since the establishment uh, altered the way American anti-Semitism is manifest? Well... First of all, it's made it more difficult to talk about Jewish weakness and, and so on. Um, as time has gone on and Israel has become a closer and closer ally to the United States, I think some of the dual loyalty discussion disappeared. Uh, uh, you know, thank God for Israel, people said after uh, the bombing of the nuclear site in Iraq. Uh, of course, at some level, American Jews know if things ever became terrible, there's a place for them to go, which most Jews did not have in the 1930s. And we only need to look at what we've seen with their own eyes in Syria, as you've spoken out about. Those Syrians didn't have a place that would take them in. Jews know they do have a place if, if the worst were to happen, and that gives a certain amount of comfort. On the other hand, <laughs> there are people who uh, who make the calculus. I don't like President Trump. President Trump 
loves Israel, so I hate Israel. And that's obviously been problematic uh, in, uh, in, in some ways. Um, and there are people who judge all American Jews on the basis of whether or not they agree with particular policies in Israel. Nobody would judge all the Irish on uh, the basis of uh, uh, recent developments in Ireland. Uh, and that's, I think, discomforting to some American Jews. But uh, on balance, I think we are all very, very, very fortunate to have a, a state of Israel and millions and millions of people are alive today uh, who wouldn't have been alive but for the fact that Israel opened its doors and took them in. And I think many Jews also hold their head high uh, thanks to the existence of the state of Israel. And many non-Jews respect American Jews more uh, because they somehow associate Jews in Israel. That's true, especially in the evangelical community. Yeah. Very interesting. Thank you. So, so today, you know, um, uh, I, I haven't seen amazing data, but the, the the Jews of Color Coalition Building Initiative recently shared that the number of Jews of color in America are might be as low as eight or nine percent, might be as high as twenty nine or thirty percent, um, and. Um, but oftentimes, the perception is that Jews are white, of course, and mm -hmm. are are the pinnacle of the white establishment in some degree. So I wonder, how has this conflation between Jews and whiteness uh, impacted, and maybe even in recent years, American anti-Semitism? So it's a great question. One of the huge changes that took place in one generation in America, uh, once upon a time, people thought, oh, you look at someone, you recognize if they're Jewish. He looks Jewish. My students think that the silliest thing they ever heard, there's no such thing as a Jewish look. Um, the, at the same time, uh, anyone who reads the white supremacist material or who paid attention to the manifesto of these uh, uh, figures in Pittsburgh and Poway know their whole goal is to show that Jews are different from other whites. Uh, and there are Aryans whom they claim are beautiful and real white, and then there are Jews. So from the perspective of white supremacists, Jews are not white. And um, I, I think one of the things that has been difficult uh, for young Jews who never experienced anti-Semitism is the realization that they thought uh, uh, Jews had been accepted. They were not. Um, I think all of us, uh, to come back to your other point, are more and more aware that there are, of course, Jews of color um, because of adoption and intermarriage and Sephardic Jews and Ethiopian Jews and, uh, and other factors. Um, uh, the Jewish community today is a broad rainbow. Um, in, in and, and actually many synagogues today uh, have members uh, who are people of color. And one of the things that will be very interesting going forward is to watch how uh, that develops. Um, I think Israel today is well aware of the fact uh, that Jews cover a broad spectrum, and I think that will happen 
in the United States as well. But for folks uh, uh, who are white supremacists, they are persuaded as the Nazis were. Jews are a race. You can tell who they are. And uh, they're not white Aryan as we are. It's interesting. My understanding is that Jewish immigrants historically coming to America, you couldn't check a box that said Jewish. You, you checked your Polish or, or the like, and then you would check white. And you wanted to be classified as white. You right. legally argued you were white to be a part of. And yet today, I think Jews, uh, oftentimes American Jews, want to be a part of the white, white establishment, but also want to be something separate as well. Right? It's complicated. It even... Eh. Uh, in immigration. There was a time when Jews, and that's how we know how many immigrants there were, uh, when Jews were identified as such, and the great Dillingham Commission, which reported on immigration, um, definitely distinguished Jews uh, from their neighbors. Uh, The truth is, uh, Jews who came from Poland never considered themselves Poles. Uh, when one of the candidates claims that his ancestry was Polish, it's unimaginable that his Jewish ancestors considered themselves Poles because the Poles didn't consider him a Pole. They talked about him as a Jew. Um, In much of Eastern Europe, it's still true. I was in Romania this past summer, and they're pretty clear. There are Romanians, there are Jews, there are Saxons, there are Roma people. They're all part of Romania, but they are identified as people. And that's how it was when they came uh, to, uh, to America. Over time, absolutely, and today in the census, you can't identify as a Jew, and there was some melding of, of whites uh, into something larger, but a lot of Jews know when push comes to shove, you're still a Jew. And uh, I think the current spate of anti-Semitism has reminded people of just that fact. Well, Professor Sarna, your scholarship continues to teach us all so much, and your leadership inspire us. We know how busy you are, so thank you so, so much for this time. Thank you. Pleasure to be with you. Not too bad.